Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. All right, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. Today, uh, we have on the podcast Preston Cohn, who is the founder of Approved Social IO, the CEO of Donor Curve, and the CEO of Cone Creatives. Thanks so much, Preston, for being on here today. Thanks, Kyle. Excited to be here. As we get started, just wanted to see if you can give us kind of like a, a professional bio kind of some of the companies you've founded, uh, kind of the, the path that led you here today? Sure, absolutely. So I've always had an entrepreneurial bin to me. Back when Apple first released the App Store, I decided to create my first company, uh, App Tank Designs. And we created uh, applications for iPhone. And it's way back in the day when it was kind of still new territory, new stopping grounds for everyone. And It was a great opportunity for me to really cut my teeth and learn a little bit about what is this world of entrepreneurship? How do you run a business? How do you work with a partner? And and ultimately, how do you decide when you need to leave that company and move on with something else? And so started with that, moved on to Facebook in Austin, Texas, uh, where I helped businesses spend effectively for their Facebook ad spend and their marketing budgets with Facebook. Um, I worked with Logan's Roadhouse, uh, Oriental Trading Company, a few different companies to help them just get better performance out of their Facebook ad campaigns. And shortly thereafter, I had the amazing privilege of meeting my wife, Laura Becca, at the time. She was living in San Antonio, where I'm originally from. And it caused me to ponder a little bit about what I wanted to do in life. Did I want to stay in Austin or did I want to move back to San Antonio where, uh, where she was? And I was now driving back and forth a lot to, to see her. And so one of the best decisions I ever made was saying, I'm going to leave Facebook in Austin and I'm going to go find a job in San Antonio. And I started applying for jobs with the best agencies that I could possibly find. And I was able to land a job very quickly. So sent in an application. I actually didn't have a job uh, opening available at the time. Uh, I just sent in an email to the, the CEO and I said, hey, here's my resume. Resume, are you maybe looking for a job in the future? And that guy happened to be Brad Parscale. And Brad Parscale at the time was just starting to work on the Trump campaign for president in 2016. And this was very, very early on in the the campaign. And so he said, hey, would you be interested and would you be able to work for Trump? Like, is that something that you could do? And so I immediately jumped on the opportunity and said, hey, when do you get an opportunity to work on a presidential campaign out of the blue? And so I moved to San Antonio where the headquarters for the digital office for the Trump campaign was. And was about, I think I was the third hire for the Trump campaign there. Very interesting story, very long story that I could give about that whole process. But I became the uh, manager of all of the ad designers, all of the landing page designers, um, any, any graphic or marketing piece that you saw in 2016 was like, likely came out of, uh, of our office and my team based on my experience at Facebook and what 
what worked for fundraising, what worked for ad creative, A-B testing, and making sure that we were pumping out creative uh, that would work and perform well for, for us in so many different fronts. I thought it was over after working 70, 80 hour weeks. I was super excited to have a little bit of a break. And my boss calls me up out of the blue and he says, Hey, Preston, would you go to DC for me? I want you to go meet with the inauguration team and just see what happens. So I have really no direction. I have really no idea what I'm getting myself into. And I fly to DC with my creative director from the campaign. And I get there and we meet with about, I want to say about 20 different executives that uh, I, again, wasn't sure what this was about. Big meetings going on, lots of things are being talked about. And all of a sudden they turn to me and they say, Hey, Preston, we're glad to have you. Tell us about the digital strategy for the inauguration. And I had no preparation, um, but was able to talk to them a little bit about just what I think we should do. Here's what we should do. Going confidently with this is the direction I would go. And this is the this is the way I think we need to be approaching this this opportunity. So shortly thereafter, I found myself the digital director, part of the executive committee for the inauguration. And I was in a whole new world at this point. And I thought 80 hour weeks were tough. We were now talking 100, 120 hour weeks sometimes. And it was an amazing opportunity of growth, but very difficult. After this, I'm going to kind of cut to the chase here. After this, I was really ready to take a break. Man, I was so ready to, to, to just be at home with my wife and not have this strain. My body had taken a massive toll. I had really run myself into the ground. Uh, Health-wise, I was struggling with a number of things. And so it was time. It was time to do something different. So I took a job for about a year at a company that really sucked the life out of me, truthfully. It was a scenario that it was a good paying job, was making a lot more than I was making before. And the process, the turnaround time, the the amount of back and forth between teams without any movement happening, it just showed me that in a large business, you don't have that agile move fast kind of scenario there. And so I decided to step away from that. And that's when we started Cone Creatives. And pretty much every day since, uh, it has been a a roller coaster, but it has been an amazing opportunity of seeing and starting to understand that true freedom that you can have when you are an entrepreneur, when you do build a team, and when you do to get to the point where, where I'm at today, where I have, like you mentioned, Cone Creatives, Donor Curve. And then the the big future uh, is with Approved Social. Uh, and so super excited to talk to you about all three of those and, and the rest of the conversation that we are going to have today. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, I think you highlighted so well kind of the savagery of kind of going after it, you know, kind of at the beginning you know, sending the email to the CEO and just kind of saying, Hey, here I am. Take a look at me and see what this kind of see what happens. Just kind of going after those opportunities. Um, I think it's just kind of a perfect picture of kind of what an entrepreneur kind of like lives off of, you know, it's just sure. kind of the idea of opportunity. So that's really neat. Thank you so much for sharing that backstory. I mean, it's amazing. Absolutely. What's the worst that can happen if you just step out, you know? So. <laughs> 
tell me about kind of the newer developments with these new businesses. Can you give me kind of like a high level of, are you drawing from the experience that you've had with that kind of administration? What are these businesses that you're running right now look like? Sure. So Cone Creatives is primarily an approved social, I mean, is a a paid social marketing agency. Uh, We use Facebook and, and Google and other platforms to to promote businesses and get them more sales ultimately. Along that path, I had a guy approach me and say, Hey, Preston, I got this nonprofit. Would you help me with this? We have 32 days, we've got $40,000, and we want to see what we can do with it. And within that 32 day period, we had created landing pages, created ads, written the email drips, and we're, we're running those campaigns. In that 32-day period as well, we also generated over 90,000 email addresses, so petition signatures for a, for a nonprofit. And then also about $75,000 in donations from that, just in that short period of time. And so that was another light bulb moment for me going, okay, I can take my knowledge that I learned from the campaign, I can apply it to small businesses. But I can also apply this fundraising aspect of what I did before to nonprofits. And so we use a lot of the models that I was able to come up with and work on then and have learned and grown upon for nonprofits. And it's so it's so um, fulfilling to work with nonprofits. You know, it's great to feed people and their families and help them feed other employees, but it's really wonderful when you can do that and on top of it, feel like you're making a difference in the world as well. Now, through all of my experiences, the biggest pain point I've seen of any digital marketing agency, I've talked to people who are CMOs for the Daily Wire. I've talked to large digital marketing agencies. I've been in internal companies that were very large. And the biggest thing is ad approval. There is a massive gap between the agency and the client in terms of getting their approval on the ad creative and the copy that you make. And there's a ton of back and forth. And in fact, the more I've dug into this problem, the more I've heard from actual clients who've said, I fired my agency because they didn't know the edits. They didn't make the edits that I was doing, or they ran an unapproved ad and spent tens of thousands of my dollars that I didn't want running on this ad. And so there's a huge, massive problem. Maybe legal didn't get a chance to review it, right? And so some of these companies need their social strategist and their boss and then legal to approve this. So that's where Proof Social comes in. We have created the first ad approval engine for digital marketing agencies and internal marketing teams to be able to get feedback uh, real time, communicate with their clients and avoid the mess of emails and texts and phone calls and, and meetings that are really just suck the life out of you. And, and also they just, they take time from the account managers and from your designers and copywriters. Ultimately, you know, the lifetime value of your clients is decreased and you're just, you're not, uh, you're not getting what you need to out of it. And that's where Proof Social came in and that's the idea for it. Yeah, that makes tons of sense. I mean, absolutely. Just, I can imagine that that is such a need and I've actually seen it a little bit from my own experience. So to know that there's a company that's solving that is just really uh, through your company. Like it just 
makes tons of sense. I mean, it's, um, so thank you so much for describing that. I mean, I think you definitely have, you know, figured out the problem that you're solving. Uh, you described it so well, you know, kind of moving into kind of our conversation, the savage to sage situation, you were talking earlier about, Hey, here's an opportunity. You know, I was doing 80 hours a week. It moved even higher than that. You've alluded to it a little bit, but like, can you tell me more specifically, like, what is it about entrepreneurship that like is kind of like gets you excited uh, specifically? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Really, Kyle, it's the, the, the freedom that I'm pursuing for my family and for myself. I think I mentioned earlier just the, the businesses and the time that I committed, whether it was on the campaign or at Facebook or, uh, or even the early days of my companies. It really can suck you dry, man. It can really take a lot out of you. And and that's what I actually love. I mentioned this earlier about the name of this podcast. You know, I was thinking about it and I was going, well, wait a minute. Am I a sage at 34 years old? I don't know about that. Am I a wise man? I don't, I don't know. But I would say that it makes a lot of sense because in the early days of entrepreneurship, you are struggling. You're wearing all the hats. You're doing the sales. You're doing the marketing. You're building the ad campaigns. You're even creating ad graphics when you really shouldn't be. You're doing everything because you don't, maybe you don't know that you need to hire the right people. Maybe you haven't found those people. Maybe you can't afford those people. And so you're really struggling to just figure it out. And I think people who have sort of the entrepreneurial spirit are those people who they see a problem, a problem's presented to them, and they don't, they don't stop. They figure out how to to, to, to fix that problem. And sometimes it looks very different. Sometimes you got to try A, B, C, D, E and, and, you know, keep going until you figure out the right thing that works, but you move forward with it. Whether that means you're moving forward and you're falling right on your face, you're still moving forward. And so that's, I think, kind of the key of what I learned. You know, when you step into a meeting with 20 executives that you don't know what you're doing and you confidently move forward with, here's the plan that I think we should be, you know, enacting moving forward. You start to learn that I can step forward in, in faith and in the knowledge of confidence that I have built so far. And that gives you confidence in every other conversation that you have, whether it's a sales meeting or a podcast like this, or working with investors, whatever that might be, you just move forward. And I think that's the big life lesson that I've learned. My parents taught me this very well. And I've learned it along along my journey. Lots of failures, lots of failures. Those just don't seem to get in the way of most entrepreneurs. That's great. I love how you kind of sum that up there. I mean, the the confidence piece, but then kind of the persistence to move forward, all of those things. I think that's that's key to entrepreneurship and kind of being that savage. When you think about kind of you alluded to a little bit as far as like hey, I need to develop a team around me, okay? So like, I have kind of this confidence. I know where I want to go. How do I put a team around me to kind of take that vision forward, those types of things? What has been your kind of experience in that? Man, it's such an interesting journey when you make your first hire. It was just me. My wife was working another job at the time uh, in order for us to be able to do this. And 
I was calling everybody that I could think of to make a sale to. I was looking on LinkedIn. I was randomly calling people that I found through internet searches. I was just doing whatever I could do to find people um, in terms of selling a client. And my wife was actually our sort of our first hire. She was the first person that joined the company. And it was amazing to see that I could let go of a lot of things that I was doing at the time and work with someone who I deeply love, who is a completely uh, sort of a, almost a more, in some ways, more difficult in the, in the early on stage, because you have this relationship with them that goes beyond work. And so you're not coming home and talking about the employee that rubbed you the wrong way that day. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is, she, is the she is the employee. And really, it was me <laughs> that was rubbing her the wrong way, I'm sure. But yeah, so so that was the first scenario that we had. And from there, after we were working on growing, we got a few clients, we started hiring more people. And uh, I was hiring based on skill. I was hiring based on the ability for someone to perform the task that I'm putting in front of them. And what I quickly found out was the best person for the job was the person that had a heart to serve the people that we have, right? We talked about the nonprofits that we're working with. We talked about a lot of the businesses and my heart is to help those businesses feed themselves and feed their employees and ultimately give them some freedom, right? And so I stopped hiring based on people's skill level. Yeah, you look for skill. You look for some training. You look for someone in that area. But the biggest question that I have in my interview process now is, do you have a heart to serve? And you get a very interesting response. Some people truly get it and they can respond and they can say, yeah, that's amazing. That's an amazing opportunity. I've never heard someone ask me that question before. And they can dive into that. Others, you get, well, I'm really good at my job. Yeah, I, I, I like that. But here's the reasons that I'm really good at my job. Completely cross those people off of my my list at that point. And so I was able to then start building a team of people that I could truly trust, that I could truly rely on, that I could truly say, okay, these are the people that I want to hand over my, my role in this area to, whether that be a copywriter, a designer, a developer, or an account manager for my businesses. And that was when you really started to see the scaling of my business and the, the ability for me to say, okay, now I am getting that freedom that I really tr truly pursued, you know, because I have a team of people behind me. But the biggest lesson I think I learned from that, that whole process was that I needed to fully step back because I could hire someone who was really good at their job. But if I was still daily involved in helping them figure things out and working with them, on every aspect, I was even busier than I was before. I had to build out the processes and I had to then let them go, let them fail a little bit, let them learn some lessons. And there were multiple times when I was forced to step away for, for one reason or another. And those people just flourished, man. They just grew. And I was like, oh man, is it me? What's happening? But in reality, they were able to learn because they were now doing it. It was their responsibility. They didn't have anybody to pass the buck to. They were now in charge of of their domain and they needed to grow that. So so yeah, it's been a it's been a really interesting journey making those hires and ultimately getting to a point now where we have a team of people that man, I could step away for weeks or months at a time and things would continue to roll pretty well. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
Like you've alluded to this throughout our entire conversation, but I wanted to kind of park here for a moment. Like when you think about overall lessons that you've learned as a founder, as an entrepreneur, you know, kind of what are the ones that stick out the most to you as far as just important lessons in your journey? And we talked a little bit about team, talked a little bit early on, uh, you know, just kind of regarding the, the campaign, being courageous and those types of things. Have there been other lessons that have been really kind of impactful for you in this evolution? Sure, man. I don't even know where to start. There's, there's, there's a lot that I've learned. Personal growth, development in my, my business skills, the ability for me to, like we said, let go and move forward with things. I think, I think probably that would be the biggest. And I, we already talked about it a little bit, but letting go of a task and letting someone else grow is a massive opportunity for any entrepreneur. It's really, really hard. It's really hard to go from that savage, like you talk about, to that sort of sage person where you're passing on the wisdom, where you're letting them grow and obtain it. And ultimately, it's going to cost you money. It costs you money to let someone learn. And it costs you money to hire someone who is who has a heart to serve versus someone who has lots of skill. But at the end of the day, you build a better team, you grow better people, you have better relationships. And right now, the relationships that I have with my team, I mean, we're very close. We're a very close group of people. We're not just people who get on a call and and work. We laugh, we have fun, we're talking to each other, we're asking about their problems, we're finding out ways that we can help them. And I think that's been really wonderful. Working with my wife has also been an amazing opportunity of growth. We've had to sort of set boundaries in what time do we come into work and what time do we leave work? Because otherwise it's a 24-7 thing. We could talk about work all day long, but we have to really say, okay, here's the definition of what that looks like for us. And a lot of people ask me, well, how do you, you know, how does that work? Like, I don't know if I could work with my husband. I don't know if I could work with my wife. A lot of people probably couldn't. And, and that's just the truth. A lot of people probably couldn't, but we have a really close relationship and we were able to really develop that. And it was definitely not easy at the beginning, being able to let go first to someone you're that close to in a completely different area of business, right? Is a, is a difficult, is a difficult lesson to learn. But as we've both grown, we've been able to see each other's skills start to take take forth. And then at that point, it's going, man, how could I do this without her? Right? She does all of these things extremely well. I do all these things extremely well. They're completely different. We need to both be growing and doing this stuff together. And so it gives you a level of respect for for her and for, you know, the work that she does. And that crosses over again, also, as I spoke of before to the team as well. That's great. So when we've interviewed, you know, founders and CEOs, uh, one of the things that we talk about is there's, there's two ways in which you kind of learn things. You know, one way is you kind of just hit your head up against the wall so many times and you figure that it won't work. Or there's this kind of, you know, there's potential inputted wisdom, or, you know, I would say discipline to gain wisdom, how to make things better. I just love how you so eloquently put kind of like the letting go process. Like, to me, my impression is that like, there's been some, probably some significant disciplines you've put in your life inputs to kind of help you evolve as, you know, a founder and a CEO. Can you kind of maybe talk about those a little bit? Probably the biggest thing that I would say, you know, a lot of people are going to point immediately to, well, I'm, 
I'm reading this and I'm listening to this podcast and I have these mentors and sure, all of those things are, are really amazing. I think the openness for new ideas, the openness for that direction is probably the biggest biggest thing that, I mean, it's not really a, a task. It's not really a discipline necessarily, but it, it sort of is, right? We, we get so set in our ways that we're not able to have that wisdom actually do anything for us. We can have a mentor, but if that mentor gives us advice and we're still closed off in what we want to do, we can't, we can't accept that. So I think probably the biggest discipline is saying, it's kind of removing that ego and saying, Hey, I, I do know that I know a lot, but at the same time, I don't know as much as this other guy. And this other guy's got tons more experience and he's run bigger businesses and he's got, you know, he sold his businesses or whatever. And so really listening to those people is, is probably the biggest thing that I've done. And, you know, and that, and just showing up every day, you're tired, you're sick, you're, you're not feeling good. When you work for yourself, essentially you, you, you show up and you get it done. And, you know, when other people are having vacation days, oftentimes you're not. And I think that's a, another thing that we, you know, we want to go back to, well, I had this full-time position. I worked nine to five. I had all the vacation days, I had sick days, whatever. You don't really get that. You just show up and you do your work. And that comes back to just taking that first step kind of in faith and moving forward with that. So good. So good. Thanks for that, Preston. Sure. What you alluded to as well, I'm going to try to dig a little bit deeper on this, but as far as like setting boundaries, right? Like, so you and your wife, like one of the common themes that we kind of talk about, you know, and I think, you know, the way that Daniel and I have kind of envisioned this podcast is the expectation for like kind of the old CEO types has been, you got to be the jack of all trades. You got to be able to do it all. And you just work, 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 work. And the idea of boundaries and health kind of fall behind the wayside, you know? Um, but you've, you alluded to that. Is there other specific, and I'll say practices, but you can kind of use it however you sure, want to, sure. to, but is there other, you know, specific ways that you use to like, Hey, in order for me to be healthy as a founder and a CEO and run my companies that you kind of like, I need to do these things, you know, these are kind of like key principles that I have in play. Well, I mean, so many of us entrepreneurs and early on, I think in life uh, and in my businesses, you know, you're, you're running yourself ragged. You're not working out. You're not eating healthy. You're not getting good sleep and you don't have those boundaries like we talked about before. And that's really where I, I kind of, man, I just, I, if I don't get a workout in for that day, I am, I'm in trouble. You know, I, it's a way for me to completely check out. And to, you know, make sure that I am doing something for my health that's, that's good for me. And mm. after kind of implementing that discipline, coming back to the discipline question, I then started eating healthy and then started mm. improving my diet and thinking about what I was doing. Um, and then from there, it was, you know, well, what's the next thing that I can work on in my myself? Do I need to be trying to read more? Do I need to be trying to write more? Like, what's the thing that I can kind of move forward in that practice? And you know, to, to dig in a little bit more on the sort of the boundaries aspect of it is when I'm off the clock, essentially, sure, I'm still thinking about work like anyone else. I'm still processing through all of those things, but I'm not responding to a client. You know, I'm not going to have a phone call with my team late at night. 
It's just, it gets moved to the next day and I better get that done the next day. And it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to learn. And it's really, really hard to do as an entrepreneur. But if you can really develop that skill of saying no to a certain task that you think you need to get done at that point, man, it usually gets done. And it usually gets done even better because you're now not rushing through it to try to get something done in the middle of the night or off hours. Your team's doing it. And what you find too in that point is you go, instead of me going and doing this task, my team should be doing this task. Who is the person in my team that I need to coach on this? Maybe I didn't tell them what to do. Maybe I didn't build a process for that specific thing. So tomorrow, what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on how do I build a process for that because I don't want to do it again. you know. And I started to get away from the phone calls. I started to get away from the client communication. And I started putting that on my team. And I was able to take a greater role in the business development instead of you know, working in the business so much. Such sage advice, Preston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, it's been such a privilege to kind of hear a bit more about your story. I mean, all the lessons that you've learned, I'm just... <laughs> Yeah, just thankful that thankful to have you on this podcast. I look forward to you know kind of staying connected, but um, yeah, just really appreciate your time. Absolutely, and uh, thank you for sharing about your evolution. It seems like it's been an incredible one. So thank you, Kyle. I truly appreciate it, and um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about Approved Social and my businesses, and and just kind of deep dive into some of the things that I've learned along the way. I wouldn't call myself a sage, but I, I do think that if I can help anybody out with some some of the thoughts, some of the failures that I've had, then I'll be very happy. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.